with another Guardians of the Future podcast. I am never going on vacation again. I'm back and burnt to a crisp, and I am behind on literally everything in my life since I've been back, Willie. This is the Guardians of the Future podcast. As I said, I'm Justin Latta. Willie Hood's back with me after our one-week hiatus while I went to the beach and uh, burned and missed out on all things baseball. Willie, what did I miss while I was uh, burning to a crisp under the uh, Myrtle Beach sun? Not a whole lot. Not There's the wrap. That's it. All right. It's a good podcast. Jack that, was, on it. that was that was the easiest bit of work I had since I came back. Settling back into my day job today was was rough. Um, I had about 400 unanswered emails. That was that's always fun. The first day you get back, you're like, oh, I got 400 emails. I got to respond to. That's that's awesome. Um, I pretty much spent my entire day answering emails. with you. What's that? I said, you're supposed to take those on vacation with you. Answer your emails while you're on vacation. I, you know what? I'm a bad, a bad vacationer. I took both my laptops. I took my work laptop and my personal laptop so I could keep up on the site. You know, I still posted things throughout the week from everybody else. I didn't do any writing of my own, thankfully, but I still posted things. So we still had normal content on the site. We just didn't have a podcast, but I'm a bad vacationer. Um, well, I'll let you take this week off too. Okay, let me take this week off too. I'm sure. I'm sure everything went wonderfully in my absence. I'm sure. Never taking another no vacation again because I. <laughs> yeah, just that I'm I'm behind in everything, and I'm I'm. It feels like you know the week, but we talked about this before. The week before vacation is, you're doing everything the pre the next that you would do the week you're on vacation. You do it the week before, and the week you come home and you get back to work, it's like you're. You're trying to do two weeks worth of wor- uh, work again because you're behind uh-huh. in everything. So that's how they that's how they punish you for taking vacation. Well, as I told you, it, it's de um, incentivizes it for you. You know, like I said earlier uh, when we were talking before the show, that I personally have put off vacation time, or now I have quite a bit of vacation time stored up just because I don't feel like taking vacation because it's too much of a bother to do all the work beforehand and come back to a lot more work too. So it's almost just easier to just work through it. Yeah. You go to your supervisor and you're like, Hey, I want to take this week of vacation. They're like, okay, sure. But you have to work twice as hard the week before. And you have to work twice as hard the week after. Are you sure you want to do that? Like, no, nah, I think I'll just work. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll just work. I'll just, the same level of crap is, is fine. Um, Let's just keep it consistent. You know, I try to be yes. monotone all the time. So, don't enjoy yourself too much because when you come back, it's not going to be any more fun. It's going to hit like a ton of bricks. All right. Well, a lot did happen actually last week. Uh, a lot has been going on. I'm first going to bring up, um, I want to at least acknowledge this um, in the article today by The Athletic by Britt Giroli that the former broadcaster of the Lynchburg Hillcats was. Um, attacked by a Guardians, former, I guess former Guardians prospect or pitcher, whatever you want to say, um, Darits and Feliz, allegedly. Um, the, the the team claims he's no longer in the organization. As of right now, his, his MLB page says he's still in the organization, but this is not a good incident. 
Um, this happened last year, and their broadcaster, Maura Sheridan, was um, also treated poorly by the Hillcats organization, it sounds like, and treated poorly by the Guardians organization as a whole, and um, just very disconcerting, and you know these problems keep popping up around baseball, and I'm tired of it, and I'm tired of, you know, we had the Mickey Calloway situation in Cleveland. You got this, and there's just too much of that going on. But I, you know, I, I want to say I feel badly for Moore because Moore was a good broadcaster and with the Hillcats and and very helpful to us, and um, didn't deserve any of that. And um, the Hillcats, as an organization, need to be better about how they treated her, and so do the Guardians. Um, I think that's that's really all that needs to be said. Do you have any? That's all I have to say, Willie. But I, I think everyone needs to do better. We all need to do better. They need to do better, and she deserved better than that. I, that's all I got to say, Willie. I don't know if you want to say anything, but that's all I've got. I didn't read the depth of the article as I told you earlier. Uh, glanced over it this morning just because I was on the run today with work uh, and some personal chores I had to take care of around the house, um, but. Uh, I think the one thing that any accusations like this that comes forward, it should be dealt with very cautiously, judiciously, but respectfully on all ends of it. Um, I think that's where, from my understanding of what little I caught of the article, as I said, I just glanced over it, maybe two minutes reading it, or you know, maybe spent two minutes reading it, and it's probably something you should digest in about 10 or 15 minutes, to be honest with you, just because of the depth and gravity of the article mm-hmm. itself. Um, I think uh, I think this organization has failed again. Um, I'll say that just because Mickey Calloway and those accusations, and it seems like this front office was also involved on that aspect. Um, so something that was a red flag for me with, was that is that it came before Chris Antonetti and so did other accusations with Calloway. And I don't know if it is MLB as a system and how they handle accusations or if it's Cleveland's front office and, and what they're doing. Um, but I think, and I'll reiterate, more and better has to come of it. And that's why we see this article today is because there's that hope for that. I hope that uh, Maura, that she ends up in a better position than what she lost. And I uh, definitely appreciate her coming forward and being brave and courageous and making a stand, you know, coming out with her story. I know it's not always easy um, to do that, but I definitely appreciate the fact that she was willing because she's taking, taking a stand and she's not doing it just for herself, but she's also doing it for others. So I admire and respect that. Well said, I agree. Yeah. She definitely mentioned she was like anybody else. She was definitely scared to say something because it, you know, it could affect her position and, I don't I I don't know if that has to do with why she's not their broadcaster anymore or what but it's 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 a, it's a mess on multiple ends that it's an unnecessary mess it's it's something that can, needs to be cleaned up and it needs to be cleaned up yesterday and there's just no room in the game for for any of that for a sport that's trying to grow and get out of its own way it we continually has to have these problems and you know you you can't control the actions of other people all the time you can do your best to to vet um people's character when you can, but a lot of these kids are signed. And this is not an excuse for him, what he did, what he allegedly did. But um, a lot of these kids are signed when they're teenagers and you just don't know. And um, it took a while for them to, the, the league as a whole to take action on what he did 
and I don't know. This entire mess needs to be cleaned up yesterday. That's all I have to say. And it's it's. I've had about enough of all this news coming out. Um, for one, I, I think it's a, it's an issue with our society as a whole. I think sports are microcosm mm-hmm. of society. I think you said that to me. Um, maybe it's a little bit of vice versa too. Society's a microcosm of sports too, but the violence and the stuff that happens is happening in our society. Um, I'll leave that lie there though, but I, I do think that there is a culture that has been created within professional sports and it's not just major league baseball, it's professional basketball, it's hockey, it's the NFL, it's all of your major leagues. I think it would even be professional wrestling, um, boxing, things like that, where I've attended sporting events and I've also seen um, more going on than should be outside of the venue whenever I attended. I'll just leave that at that. But it was uh, things that were womanizing and degrading to women, and it should never be tolerated. Yep. No tolerance. Absolutely. So. All right. Well, we're going to start with some questions this week. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm struggling to transition. Obviously, a very serious topic. There's no good way to, to transition out of that and into what we normally do here. Um but instead of going through our rundown at the top, we'll, we'll start with questions this week because we actually had a lot. And honestly, for me, it's better to start with questions given that I was sort of, I don't want to say out of the loop last week, so I was still paying attention as best I could, but um, certainly not as in the loop as I normally am. So we'll start with questions, and whatever we don't answer in questions, we'll get to in our rundown. So we're going to start so, with uh, our buddy Chuck, our, uh, I'm sorry, Willie's burner account. Um, <laughs> um yeah, no, our buddy, our buddy Chuck uh, wanted to know where we're at on Jeff Jack Leftwich and our rankings for the system and how we project him long term. Uh, we'll start there because he had three questions. Um, he, I think Jack Leftwich question came up because Willie he had um, an eight strikeout, one hit performance over the weekend in six innings. Um, I watched part of that start, Willie. I watched his portion of that start because there was a rain delay. Um, Leftwich was I don't know ninety two, ninety five, hit ninety seven a couple times. Had the good slider. He got somebody swinging and missing on a ball that hit him in the knee. So that was, you know, fun to see. Um, he also he didn't throw a lot of good changeups, but he threw a couple good ones. I thought that were, I don't know, I'd call them a, four, a couple 45s. They were pretty good. They got some swings and misses. That was encouraging. I think we've both said before the changeup is probably, and the delivery are what ails him um, for being a potential bullpen arm. But you know what? The numbers this year, I, I, he's 23 and high and low A. He needs to be facing high A hitters. Um, he might even yeah, yeah. face double A hitters, but um, the numbers, what he's done this year, at least say that he should continue as a starter until he proves otherwise, I would think. Yeah, and I'll, I'll back up and address a couple of the things that you said. You were out of the loop, and I'm just loopy, first of all. Um, <laughs> That's fair. That's and, fair. And ask Chuck to spell Shane Bieber, and that will be the litmus test, whether that's my burner account or not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next tweet, Chuck has to spell Shane Bieber. And if it doesn't autocorrect to, to B-E-I-B-E-R, then we know it's not you. Um, now what was the serious question? <laughs> I lost the myself. Seri- the, yeah. the serious question was, um, um, about, where, where do we think Leftwich falls in our rankings going oh. forward and, and projecting him, what role we project him in? And I said, uh, well, obviously I think he has to move up in our rankings, but also – um, I'm still not sure about where how I feel about him as a starter because we need to see him against better competition and 
yeah. uh, the delivery is still a concern long term. So a stiff front leg in his delivery that's generally that pull off to first base side is generally indicative of a relief pitcher. That's what you're referring to. He's got two above average uh, pitches. You generally would want two and, and at least an average third or really good control. I think he's showing good control. He might be able to make it as a fifth starter, but I think physically I, I don't see how either his knee, his uh, front knee will hold up or one, um, how it'll work with just two pitches with him being a starter. I, I think he's 23 years old. Maybe it's the case of him being misused in college because he was, and he was miscast as a fireman. He was a closer. He was a starter. He was a middle reliever. He did whatever Florida needed on whatever occasion. So maybe there's that element with, uh, with left, Witch, and maybe there's some more development to be had. Um, but I think, you end up with a potential setup man there. Ultimately, I think that's his ceiling. Um, maybe he's a four or five starter, but I doubt it. I, I, I frankly think by the time he starts getting up, he starts getting hit more too. Uh, but he's 23 against 20, 21 year olds. So he should be doing this in my opinion. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, he's not walking guys. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can necessarily say that's because despite the fact that delivery has relief risk to it, um, is he's overcoming that. Like some, you know, some guys can do that. Like Max Scherzer, we've talked about Hunter Gaddis who have like relief. Um, flags. Yeah. Yeah. They have relief kind of uh, mechanics, you know, that the risk risk is there and their mechanics and their deliveries have relief risk to them and left, which is one of those. And some guys can overcome it. So like we said, Scherzer has this career. He's an elite example. Hunter Gaddis has been for a couple of years and certainly this year. Um, so I, I don't know if it's too soon. It's, it's definitely too soon to say that Jack Leftwich is doing that because, like you said, he's 23 and he's facing low-A hitters. And um, I, I think for sure when you look at him and Tommy Mace, Tommy Mace has kind of had an up-and-down season. And um, I haven't really looked a ton at Franco Alamon specifically, but I think you could see the traits of a couple of those guys and think that for sure Florida didn't get the most out of them because college baseball really, let's face it, is not a – uh, a breeding ground for development. It's really about how they can get these guys in position to win now. And, and they don't worry about how these guys look in the future. There are very few programs. I think Tennessee this year is one of them and oh, RIP volunteers. I'm so sad right now, Willie. I, uh, I was really looking forward to watching that Tennessee team in Omaha and then they're out. I'm, I'm still reeling from that one. That was a rough one to come home to. Um, but yeah, Florida is not one of those programs that's too concerned about major, you know, pro development for their players. They're worried about winning now. So, like you said, Leftwich got shoehorned into a, um, a fireman's role, a starter's role, whatever they needed. And kudos to him for um, taking that and, and pitching well with it. But clearly, there was untapped development there, and Cleveland's found that so far because he's hitting 97 and looks good. But yeah, I, I would argue, considering his background, you know, no different than Gavin Williams or. Um, anybody else, he should be in double A based on his age and his background, but you know, there's and just not enough innings for everybody in that case, absolutely. And you and I mentioned, uh, at some point in time that we expected him to be a fast track reliever, uh, mm -hmm. and alluded to that upside with him. Um, like you said, there's not innings for everyone, but I also think that you need to develop in it, you need to develop as many pitchers as you can as starters in case they work out or in case you need them or in case you need them to trade them. Mm -hmm. so, 
three points there that, you know, hey, let's develop Lenny Therese as long as we can as a starting pitcher, even though he's trending toward a reliever. You know, I, just using him as an example. Um, but that's why you why you stick with guys who are putting up sideways ERAs and, you know, people are scratching their heads. Why is Tobias Myers still starting? Why hasn't he been moved to the bullpen? You know, because when you want to give them options, you don't know if they're working on certain things like with Jack Leftwich. We don't know if he, they're working on something with his delivery or what. And maybe that's why he's down there in low A, but he's still dominant. Um, definitely, in my opinion, deserves a call up. And we may see that with the draft coming up, you know. Um, they'll be pushing probably another 10, 12 pitchers at least um, into the organization out of 21 of their picks. So I'll guess 14 really, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, plus you got, you know, Ryan Webb and Ethan Hankins and, and uh, Carlos Vargas all coming back from Tommy John who will eventually get themselves out of Arizona too, and that's going to push things as well. Um, but, you know, like you said, especially for Leftwich, that he's pitching well right now. And the numbers, whatever, whoever he's facing, whatever he's doing, the numbers suggest there's no reason for Cleveland to bump him out of being a starter. You know, like you said, you develop him the way they develop him because out of necessity, but, you know, you let the players make the decision for you. And, hey, as long as he's performing the way he is, there's no reason to bump him. And um, we'll see what he can do in the future. I think you, you and I both agree, probably reliever long term. But uh, we've been wrong many times. I know I've been wrong a lot lately. Uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, if we have time, I'll just, you know, conveniently run out of time. Before I time um, it's always. Uh, was that you, Chang? Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Wrong wrong person. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, if, if he's pitching well, and, and he can prove us wrong. Yeah, I'll have to edit that out. The beauty of uh, behind the mic in the podcast. Um, all right. Chuck also wanted to ask us about the drop in velocity for Nick Mikolacek. Um, he's still putting up good numbers. So what do you think? And what we still save in Cleveland? I also watched his outing on Saturday too. Um, surprise, surprise. I got home and I did a lot of my league baseball watching while I was unpacking. Um, yeah, the velocity still not good. He was 89, 91 and topped out at 93. Something's, I don't, I don't want to say something's wrong, but when he was 95, 97 last year, man, he was electric. I know the numbers look okay this year, but um, I would I would wait till those numbers come back. I, at the moment, I'm a little bit concerned, honestly. I, I the number the numbers are the numbers are. You can get away with a lot of good stuff in AAA with a lot of bad stuff in AAA. Um, He's got really good control just, and, and good pitches too. Yeah. Even with lower velocity, maybe he ends up being a middle reliever type guy. But um, why yeah, sell? He's not missing bats. That's the thing. He's not missing bats. He's down to a twenty-two percent strikeout rate. So definitely the difference when you don't have that ninety-five, ninety-seven to to get to. Yeah, I. I would hold off on promoting him until you start to see what's going on there to get it back. I mean, I know last year for him was a bump in velocity because he was really more like 90-94 anyway originally, and last year he experienced the big bump. So maybe this is back to what he has always been. I don't know, but um, I would definitely wait to see what the future holds for him before I bring him up. And, and, and there's really no – no reason. I mean, he has to be put on the 40 at the end of the season, but there's a lot of other relievers too. So I, I would guess at some point you want to take a look at him, but um, if his I would velocity try to doesn't come this. back, you, you, to me, you just don't add him and take that risk with him and let the other, let another organization figure that out with him. Um, you know, that's somebody that you and I have been a fan of. 
Uh, he was 90, 92 in college up to 94. So uh, to mm -hmm. me, it's a tick down from where he was even in college. So generally that's a mechanical issue or it's an injury issue, you know, um, who knows, maybe he's pitching through a chin splints or a blister or something, you know, um, there's always the possibility of that. Um, yeah, it wouldn't shock me at all. But without that extra velo, I think it definitely knocks his ceiling down to a potential middle reliever. I've used the phrase before multiple times, but Dan Otero type. So all those guys that come in for an inning and get ground balls or get a few outs and get out of the game. Kind of the way uh, Ryan Shaw is deployed. <laughs> yeah, what year is it again? Oh, geez. We don't have to go back to that either. Um, and then Chuck, last question. Want to know who pitches for the Guardians first? Is it Espino? Cantillo, Williams, or Logan Allen? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to say Cantillo because he's got to be put on the 40 this offseason. I'm going to say Cantillo for that reason especially. So it was Allen, Cantillo. Williams um, and Espino. Okay. And he didn't mention Hunter Gaddis, so I'm going to say Hunter Gaddis makes his professional debut before the <laughs> Well, you sent that question because obviously that's your burner, so that's why you're <laughs> you're going with a different answer because you don't want to be caught. Um, uh, well, I mean, get I, it, get it. I, I just didn't want to go with the group thought here, to be honest with you, because you you rationalized it and you told me your rationale behind it. I wasn't sitting here thinking about the 40-man, but when you did that, you kind of give me a context to look at. So I looked at it outside of the context of the question. <laughs> so you're much better at that than I am. You are much better at that than I am. That's why this is a good. This is good for me to podcast with you because you think differently than I do. Like I said, um, I'm loopy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much comic fun. relief. Yeah, this is this is the most interaction either of us have all week, <laughs> outside of our families. Really? Um, well, yeah, for real. Yeah, well, telling my daughter to quit running or my son to stop doing that, right? Or, you know. Please pick up the books, pick up the books, pick up the books, pick up the books. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, so you're still sticking with Gaddis. I'm saying Cantillo. I would like to say Espino, but uh, he hasn't been back from this knee issue he's having, so that's not going to happen. I don't know. Gavin Williams did make his double-A debut this week, Willie. It was pretty good. He had struck out five and five and two-thirds. He walked, a batter, or walked three batters, gave him a hit. Pretty dominant overall. Um, th here's the thing with Williams is that we have said from the beginning this year that he probably should have started in double a now that he's there. I mean, he's almost, you don't have to add him to the 40 man roster, but no. you're almost on a track now where he's going to be ready by sometime next year. If he pitch, he finishes the season in Akron in theory, maybe you start him in Akron next year for like, I don't know, six, seven starts and you bump him to Columbus, at some point next year, he's going to be ready for the big league. So it's going to be interesting to see how they fit all these guys because we thought he was ready for double-A to start the year. Now he's there, and that almost seems like by next year, he could be forcing the issue, and they've got more tough decisions to make. Yeah, I think it helps alleviate some of the concern um, with some of the arms in the rotation, too, having a guy like that, uh, Williams, to fall back on, and even some of the guys above him who have performed fairly well. Hunter Gaddis, for example, uh, Joy Cantillo, as you mentioned, you know, he's had a great season, great bounce back. Good to see him healthy again um, and doing kind of what we thought he could at one point in time. You know, um, 
I, I think um, getting a guy like Connor Pilkington and having him just logging innings at the major league level, even um, that's why it's important to have that AAA depth. Um, but you know how much I like Evan Williams. I'd probably slot him personally right now in the top three players in the organization, just based on his performance and expectation. So kind of balancing that projection with him. Yeah. He'll force the issue sooner than later. It's going to be, interesting to see how the team shuffles the roster and makes room for someone like that. Or if they trade them, I don't know the whole, this, they have the most fascinating. I know we're biased because we, we call, we follow the system. We follow the team, but they have the most fascinating storylines in the next, you know, several months because of these guys and because of the 40 man status and um, having, having the youngest team in baseball already and having to make decisions off that. I don't know. It's going to be, I, this is one of those situations where I'm glad that we are just writers and podcasters and not making decisions because these decisions have major, major franchise impacts. And it's going to be fun for us to watch and talk about, but I'm glad I'm not making them. I, I have enough hard decisions to make. I don't think I could uh, could have enough of, or could take on more like this. Uh, well, Mark. me, I'm, I'm just regular decaf, you know, so. You're <laughs> <laughs> drinking decaf. Uh, well, I, yeah, I've got a wedding to, to plan for next year and, and do all that. So that's enough decisions and enough spending money for me. I don't need to be uh, trading no guys and, and yes, no, that definitely no more vacations. No, can't afford that. And can't afford that mentally or my bank account can't afford it either. So that's fine. Um, you're welcome to my company who has jaded me from ever taking a vacation again. Um, long time loyal, uh, Subscriber and listener Mark Leffel, what do the Guardians do um, at DH and outfield? Uh, what do those spots look like in 2024? Uh, Oscar Gonzalez is at all of them. He plays all three outfield spots and he's DH, right, Willie? Is that is that where we're at? Yeah, I, I, SpongeBob. Um, I mean, geez, man, he's on track to put up like an eight war or eight F war. So, I mean, <laughs> Everybody was wrong on him, I guess. Um, no, it's great to see him succeeding. You know, I uh, said a long time ago, I think he's a major league outfielder. I think it's limited to Domingo Santana type of outfielder. But, um, hey, I think there's a future for him. You know how in recent months I've been I've, – I've changed about our designated hitter. And Framel Reyes is one of my favorite players just because of his personality, you know, and the fun that he brings to the game. That's an aspect that I like of Oscar Gonzalez because it is a kid's game after all. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, I could see a scenario where Reyes rebounds and is traded and then perhaps Gonzalez either stays in right field or um, plays a lot of DH. But I don't think that they want to lock in anyone to DH anymore. If they can get free of Reyes at DH and, you know, not that he's a liability, but his, well, he was a liability early in the season, let's be honest, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you have to protect Jose Ramirez as he ages too. I would like to give him more days off and hope that that is beneficial for him. But look at the young team around him. You know, you got to get guys at bats. Great way to do that is to free up that DH position and reallocate the resources that are tied up into Reyes now and into the future. It feels like because he has, this is incredible. He has 25 hits, Willie, in 16 games played. 
So it feels like he's only played 16 games, but it feels like Oscar Gonzalez has been up for over a month now, but he's only been up for 16 games. Um, he's just hit everything in sight. Doesn't have a home run yet, which is actually kind of surprising, but he's only got eight strikeouts and he actually has a walk. I did, if you would have asked me what will Oscar Gonzalez do first, will he walk or hit a homer? I definitely would have said homer. Yeah. Um, that has not been the case. And and as as long as we're talking about small sample sizes, um, small sample size for defense and, and defensive metrics are so unreliable and they're even more unreliable when it comes to small sample sizes. But um, three defensive runs saved so far, according to fan graphs. So, well, Austin had um, just saved has, him on that one play at the plate. So that's yeah, true. No. Okay, so what we'll say we'll say two. We'll take that one away from him and, and say two. <laughs> Still, uh, but who, who would have ever thought better? That? In, yeah, he's he's been better in the outfield than I anticipated. He's run better in the out run better than I anticipated. Um. I don't know. He's, he's a very different player right now than he was any time in the minors. We talked about that last time we had a podcast. Um, I will say that he's not going to run a 446 uh, average on balls in play for very long, not considering the fact that he is hitting um, ground balls almost 59% of the time. That's going to change. Um, but he's doing good now. And, and, and look, maybe, maybe some guys make this work. There are, there are very few examples of major leaguers who have made Oscar Gonzalez's profile work where he's walked um, 1% of the time. It doesn't happen very often, but it, but it happens. Um, who knows what, what that'll look like by the time he's, you know, 40, 50 games in, but um, some guys are unicorns. Maybe he is and it works. I mean, then that, 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 I don't know if that changes how you evaluate players or, forces you to kind of look at things differently, but you know, some guys you just have to believe are good enough to make these extreme profiles work. And right now he is, we'll see if that happens and continues. But um, I, I don't know if that, if he, if he's, it's too early to say if he's played himself into the future. Cause Mark was asking about 2024. I do think you're right. I think they, I think they so far have enjoyed the flexibility of having an open DH spot. And I would like to see that continue. So I would say, I'll say no Fran Mill Reyes in 2024. I'll say they'll keep that spot open because I think they like the way it's going. Um, we'll see what happens when he comes back and what they decide to do. They certainly need his bat, but I think they do like the flexibility and it's really helped them navigate the stretch without him. Um, I won't write off Oscar Gonzalez yet for 2024. Um, it's only 15 games, but I won't write him off yet. But I'll say, you know, Valera has been hitting well this year. After a slow start, he started to heat up. Um, they locked up Miles Straw long term, so I'm going to say what Miles Straw has got to be in center field in 2024 because they gave him that contract. So that's two spots. Uh, I don't know, Quan Quan in left and uh, Straw in center and Valera in right, and you have Oscar Gonzalez somewhere. Does that sound about right? I think you rotate guys around. Um, will Brennan, maybe a Will Benson come into play, and then who knows what they do on the trade market? You know, they could go out and bring in a Brian Reynolds and maybe a deal for a Brian Reynolds. You know, he's been the coveted one for a long time or even a Cedric Mullins. Maybe you include Miles Straw in that deal. Hey, he's affordable on a long-term contract um, and bring in an upgrade at that position. A, a guy that's going to bring more theoretically more because trades don't always work out as we know. Um, but I'll say this, the guardians roster has a lot of unicorns on it and there's more in the minor leagues like 
a guy like Tyler Freeman, who doesn't walk a lot, but he's getting hit a ton, um, getting those hit by pitches. There's so many unicorns around. I'm starting to feel like this is an episode of My Little Ponies or something, you know? <laughs> oh, gee. I've never seen that, but I, I don't want to. I don't know. I don't want to know how that translates. I think you'll enjoy it. You'll get the reference. Okay. Uh, I I guess there's no baseball type. There's no Guardians baseball. There's no minor leagues. So I guess my homework assignment tonight is watch My Little Pony. And I guess I'll get it. How about how about Little Sebastian? Can I watch Parks and Rec instead? That's a pony. Well, that's, that's allowed. I mean, you don't have to watch a whole episode of My Little Ponies to get the reference. So. Okay. I'll, I'll check it out on YouTube. My YouTube uh, recommendations will be all over the place if I go and look at this. So I guess I'll have to save it for later. Uh, I heard you mention Will Brennan. Did you mention Will Brennan? Did you mention that's that Will Brennan had he had 16 hits um, over this last uh, series with the Indianapolis Indians? 16 hits. Were they placing the ball on a tee for him or what? I mean, I man, I have. I mean. We've seen a lot of players collect a lot of hits this year and, and last year in the minors. It's been, a, you know, an exciting uh, year and, I don't know, it's, it's been a half year, I guess. So it's been a year and a half since we've been back from the lost 2020 season. It's been a lot of exciting moments. But I don't think we've seen a guy have 16 hits in a series like Will Brennan. Um, I know we've talked about it ad nauseum a little bit, but he keeps saying, you know, fourth, fifth, fourth outfielder. But I don't know, man. I'm... I'm pushing the Will Brennan hype train. He's 24, and I know he should be in the majors because at that age, you know, it's he's still. I, I got to look and see what the average. I think he's what average age for AAA right now. Is that about right? No, I think he's young for AAA. If he's 24, I think AAA okay. is 26, 27. Um, okay, so I, he would be, he'd be the average age of a double double A player, uh, which would be uh, around 24. Um, so he's two and a half years younger. You're right. Yeah, he's he's young for the level. Um, not a lot of guys that you can look to and say, where did he come from? But he really kind of came from what seems like nowhere to, boy, he's really performing and performing on a high level. And, you know, he deserves serious recognition um, as a player that potentially adds to a position of need for this organization. You know, um, I think he has to receive some consideration for an outfield, outfield position this, this offseason. For sure. Maybe sooner. Yeah. 896 OPS this year, four homers, 18 doubles, you know, Willie two bags, as I like to call him. He's got nine steals and 11 tries, um, 25 walks, 30 strikeouts. So it doesn't strike out a lot. Obviously we know he walks almost as much. I'm on board, man. Find that guy a, a spot on the roster somewhere. I'm on board. I'm, I'm fully invested on the Will Brennan train and, um, I'm 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 excited to see our experiment of, of reshuffling the rankings after the draft because uh, we had Will Brennan at oh gosh where was he in our rankings I don't think it was very, forty seven so I'm I'm thinking somewhere in the top thirty if not top twenty five I'm I'm gonna push uh, there's yeah, guys to move but. I think there's a lot of safety there. Um, and one of the things Cleveland drafts is those high floor players. He's a high floor player that is going for the ceiling now. Yeah, he's he's really exceeded expectations. I'm, I think he can produce a little more power than, than Stephen Kwan. He strikes out a little bit more, but he's, I don't know. He's also running an, an, an extremely high average on balls and playing AAA. I don't think that'll continue either. But 
um, because he's hitting a lot of ground balls right now. But the guy just hits everything in sight. doesn't matter. He he hits the ball over the field, runs like hell out of the box, and plays a good outfield. I don't know. I I like the the overall skill set, even if it's nothing like, Mm -hmm. you know, crazy exciting. You know, he incorporated some of Christian Yelich's swing into his. Um, Not really a comp, but just fun to see. But I, I think he's a legitimate prospect now, and I think you'll see Anybody who who kind of redoes their prospect rankings uh, in midseason, I think you'll see him uh, vault on a bunch of those. And then, you know what we didn't mention, Willie, about the outfield? Is Nolan Jones, who came back this past week oh, yeah. um, from his offseason ankle surgery and some back issues. He is hitting well so far, and I don't know if you saw my tweet the other night. Um, yeah. He's got a new stance, too. I don't, I don't really know what to make of the new stance, but... Um, at least worth noting that he has played outfield in every game so far. No third base uh, starts yet, and not at first base either. So I keep an eye on that, I guess. But because um, Bobby Bradley still exists in, in Columbus, but Nolan Jones is back, and look, it's more complicated things and more more questions without answers. That's <laughs> just the thing we love is, is questions without answers, right? Another unicorn. Another unicorn. And look, so far his swing has uh, his. I don't know. It's it's been like what a week. So I don't know if his um, if he's going to strike out less, and because of this new swing, and all of a sudden he becomes this guy who makes a lot of contact. But I don't know. The new swing so far looks like it's working for him. He's uh, he's cut down. I don't know a little bit on how much he moves, and maybe he's a little more simple to the to the ball. We'll see, but. Um, at least worth noting that he's played outfield so far and he's hit the ball well so far coming back. I didn't, I didn't think he'd hit the ground running the way he has, but he is six four, uh, 20 with two doubles and five walks, five strikeouts in five games so far. So pretty tough to do for a guy who missed a lot of time. Yeah. Um, if you could remind me, I got a question that somebody sent to me. I want to shoot that. Okay. Out okay. We'll get there. We'll get there. Let's. We can move on. Uh, we've we've bishmoshed a lot into Mark's question. Um, DNLS. Uh, who are the prospects that are in showing improvement, and what are some of the problems? Uh, I guess he meant pro- prospects that are struggling by problems. Um, I don't know. Hard to say anybody has improved more than than Bo Naylor, right? I mean, Bo Naylor's got to be the. Uh, comeback prospect of the year so far is that, I don't know. I, I have to look at their names, but hard to argue. Anybody has improved their stock more from a year ago. Although Joey Cantillo, I will say Willie. Um, yes. Joey Cantillo. He's probably another one that's uh, jumped significantly. I think uh, Will Brennan jumped significantly. Um, Leftwich is going to jump significantly. I think he was 51 last year. Um, yeah. So that should be a significant jump. Tolentino is in 37, 38. That's a jump. Gaddis is around 38, 39. He should jump. So there's going to be a lot of players making some significant significant gains. Um, you and I, I think we're pretty solid on Naylor in the rankings. Uh, being, a, I believe we had him eighth. Um, you know, I, ninth, yeah. I, I don't think, you know, I, I, you know, I was pretty adamant that he not move out of the top 10. Um, because of his age, and, and I felt like he was due a, a bounce back this year that he would perform better. No, I didn't see this coming to the level that he's performing, and definitely taking the walks that he is. I mean, it's just it's it's impressive. Um, 
I haven't watched a lot of Akron's games. I mean, frankly, running up to the draft, my attention is more on draft content right now. Um, viewing and writing and networking, put it to you that way, because there's some behind the scenes things going on, people that I'm talking to and stuff that I'm working on, I'm hoping to to be involved in. Um, so Naylor would be one, I think Cantillo. Uh, there's an, also another question about Brian Rocchio and Tyler Freeman, two guys that are scuffling, mm -hmm. so to speak. Um, I believe that question was from Nunzio Izzo. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think this is two in one question here because you have those two guys who are scuffling and both returning from injury. Um, Freeman's more of a long-term, he's scuffling, but there's also positive things on Freeman's uh, numbers. If you look at him, he's at three home runs already over 30, I think 30 games, or that's already ties his career high. Um, it, his previous career high of three came over 123 games. Um, he's at 14 hit by pitch already, which is pretty impressive. And he has 18 Ks to 10 strikeouts, which or I'm sorry, 18 Ks to 10 walks, which I think is, is <laughs> really good for Tyler to have that ratio. I don't know what the numbers actually come out as, but I, it struck me as, hey, that's a few things, a few demographics that's changed with Tyler. Uh, the batting average isn't there like we would like to see, but I think you could expect that. Um, a lot of times where there's a player coming off of injury, I will discount the first half and look at the second half of the season. Um, I think that's the issue with Tyler. Uh, so even with Nolan Jones, I'll, I'll kind of give him a discount on the first half of the season and see where he goes. Um, you know, looking at Brian Rocchio, I, I don't know with him. Batting average is around 205, I think, right now. Um, but anytime there's concussion issues, I'm always a little concerned with players who have had a concussion and the rehab process to me because you may be physically feeling better you've been essentially out for all of that time. You're not able to do the the weightlifting and the work and the stuff. And I think you just end up behind because of it. I think players would probably be better suited to miss more time with a concussion and recover more physically, um, recover that strength, you know, because you lose a lot of strength in, you know, it, it's just surprising how much strength somebody can lose in just a short period of time. And I think that's something that comes into play with these players like, like Rocchio who, did have that concussion from uh, a base ring running situation that went awry. And he's been hit by a pitch in the head a couple times this year too, at least once. So you always get concerned about that too. I'm with you on Rokio. I'm not, I'm not concerned about either of them at all. I, I mean, I'm concerned that if Rokio does have a concussion that <clears throat> he's maybe playing and shouldn't be, that's, you know, always a concern for not just baseball, but for health. Um, but I mean, overall his numbers, you know, he's striking out less than last year. He's walking more and, and same with Freeman. So both those guys actually are striking out less and walking more than they have historically. And you're right about Freeman with the more home runs, which, you know, thank you, Huntington park. Um, I, I'd have to look to see how many of his home runs are at home. I want to say at least two are in Huntington park and I'd have to see if they're both Huntington park home runs or if they're legitimate home runs, but. Um, both of them have, you know, very good peripherals right now. So I wouldn't be too concerned with either of them for the reasons you just mentioned. Um, if anything, I'm, I'm probably more optimistic given how things are going in that, in that direction. Um, you know, health wise, you hope Rokio is okay. And I think Freeman will get there cause you know, he always, he's always hit. I think he will hit his average on balls and plays low. And so is Rokio's, um, 
Yeah. And you, you said Tyler Freeman, you know, getting hit by a pitch. Is that really, is that a good thing? I mean, it's good for his, his on base percentage, but I don't know, man. I, I'm not sure I would classify being hit by like a 92 mile an hour fastball is ever a good thing, but. Well, you know, uh, I've deemed hey, that the Brandon Geyer tool set. So yeah. I was flashing that Geyer tool set and it's a thing, you know, I mean, whatever you got to do to get on base, it helps it offset that value of not taking walks. Um, and, you know, like I've said many times, Freeman's issue is he has such a bad ball skills that he'll get the pitches that he should let go. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things that he should let go by him, he doesn't. But maybe he's offsetting that by instead of uh, taking one off the shin or the knee or the backside. <laughs> yeah, right. That's, it gets in the way anyway. I mean, that's, that's the same thing with Oscar Gonzalez, though. Like, you know, he does the same thing. He he gets the pitches that he should let go by. And sometimes it works for him. And, and these guys, especially Freeman, also Rokio, because uh, Rokio is much more patient than Freeman or Gonzalez has ever been. But um, I also am kind of wondering too, with their struggles. So you know, if Rokio's isn't related to his health, which I hope it's not and Freeman struggles, you know, with their strikeout rates being down a little bit and their walk rates being up, are are they concerned with maybe seeing too many pitches and are they not just going out there and being the hitters they're used to being comfortable with being and, and are can excel at being like, you know, Oscar Gonzalez, like Tito Francona has said, you know, we know just stay inside the zone and don't think too much and just be the, be the hitter that you are. It, sometimes it's hard to ask guys to change. And if it's working for them, you don't want to change because you know, you might get results right now, like Freeman and Rokio are getting where, you know, so, and I'm not saying this is exactly what's happened to them, but I wonder sometimes if maybe you worry too much about, you know, I need to draw more walks. I need to see more pitches. I need to work on this versus just going up there and reacting and, and being your natural self as a hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets in your head and maybe you have, you know, you're hitting the ball the way they're, those two are hitting the ball right now and they're having struggles. So I wonder, I don't know for sure that's the problem, but I wonder, you know, for the same reason it works for Oscar Gonzalez, maybe it should work for them. And um, you don't want to try to change guys too much, I guess is my point, but I'm not concerned about him either way. Um, and now I'm with you on Bo Naylor. I actually tweeted this today. So uh, sports, I think it was sports info solutions. It was somebody who has been tracking um, exit velocity in the minors for, for 18 hitters or for a couple guys. Um, Bo Naylor is averaging 90 miles an hour exit velocity this year. Mm-hmm. I think, which would be, he said, uh, it would be pretty good. I had, I had to go back and look at the tweet, but he said it would be pretty good in the majors, like top, you know, top of the top of the area for exit velocities in the majors. So I think it's uh, a good development for Bo Naylor. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, we didn't drop him in our rankings because we thought, A, um, he was 21 last year at double A, which is aggressive for anybody, especially after missing 2020. And B, he's a catcher, so that just kind of doubles things. And a lot of a lot of uh, outlets dropped him, and I don't want to say we're right and they were wrong, because some of these outlets are really good at what they do, and they've been doing it longer than both you and I. But I thought I it was we at least premature to rank him so much. Yeah. yeah, I just think we were more patient in, in making a move, particularly considering the age factor for a catcher in Double A. You know, um, with his bloodlines, um, a couple of other things. Yeah. You know that high level experience that he have things that I think that are key factors to future f- success or indicators of future success. He had them. There was no need to move him really. He did come down, I think a few slots 
for us even maybe like from six to nine or something like that i don't recall exactly what it was but we felt no need to take him out of the top 10 just because of you know the things that we just discussed mm-hmm. exactly the patience for that position is always uh, required um <clears throat> see we got a couple more Gunzio Zio is uh, expecting Hankins and Vargas to get a sign in July. How about you? I, I would guess that's the case. I thought, I thought if, um, I thought Vargas would be, would be back by now. He's been throwing bullpens for a while with no restrictions. So to me, that just says that, that Vargas hasn't been activated yet, that he is coming back as a starter. I thought if he was coming back as a reliever, he'd already be out. So obviously wherever he ends up, he is going to be a starter. Um, otherwise I don't think it would take this long. Hankins, I, I couldn't tell you. I think he's a little bit for a little bit behind Vargas, but I don't know. July, July or August sounds about right for those two. I, I guess it'll Mandy, depend on. I think Mandy Bell had a piece out um, maybe a month or so ago that said the timeline looked like it would be July on both of them. I, I do think um, Hankins is a couple of weeks behind Vargas. Um, just timing of the. Tommy John surgery and how they want to play out recovery and all of that. It seems like they're slowing down the process for all of these guys, even Ryan Webb, um, who's running, oh, I think a, a solid 12 months plus now uh, on his recovery too. Um, but I, I think they're just trying to be cautious with some other top prospects with Vargas. Um, you know, I, I've talked a number of times about how I feel about Vargas and, and I like Hankins a lot too. Uh, so I appreciate the fact that they're being protective of these arms, but I think it also helps to have the depth and the quality of depth that the organization will, d- does up and down the system. There's no need to try to rush guys out um, just because they may appear ready. Why not handle them with kids' gloves and limit the number of uh, pitches that they burn on those arms this year? Yep, <clears throat> and Vargas starting on the 40. You want to be careful of that too because you've already burned some time with him as well, so no, no need to – Make that thing make things any worse than they already have been, considering he's been on the forty and been hurt. But um, he also pointed out, Nunziozo did that. Hunter Gaddis was pulled in the clubhouse late last, yesterday, uh, Sunday. Um, maybe have anything significant to do with Adam scopping into the bullpen. So in Sunday's game in, uh, for Columbus at Indianapolis, uh, Adam Scott pitched an inning of relief out of the bullpen for Columbus. He has he has struggled this year as a starter. You know, we, we were both maybe a little bit higher on him last year than we than we had been in the past, and he's uh, has struggled now this year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised by a move to the bullpen for him. Tanner Tully started, I think, yesterday for them. Or no, was it Myers who started on Sunday for them, or was it Tully? I, I can't remember. But I can't remember. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm still figuring out what day of the week it is. Um, if we were recording this podcast, maybe I wouldn't know, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if Gaddis is uh, being pulled into a clubhouse. It has anything to do with it. Um, you know, Williams is already up there. Or, I'm sorry, Williams is in double-A now. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, maybe there could be a guy going to Columbus. I'd be surprised if it was Gaddis over Cantillo if, if, if one of those two guys moves up for a start. But um, I could definitely see Scott going to the bullpen and uh, maybe making room for somebody. But I guess we'll see. And then, uh, oh. Hiram, uh, Willie's biggest supporter. Um, I don't even—I don't think he, Hiram listens to this podcast. He just asks questions, and I don't think he even listens back. But uh, he wanted to know if Adam Scott could be a pen option later. I would say, as of right now, and he's not a—he—he 
he is a reliever, but he's not an option for this year because he's having a hard time throwing strikes and um, the quality of the stuff has kind of declined this year from last year. And then he also wanted to know more about Jerson Ramirez, um, who I think we've talked about in this podcast before, but yeah, yeah, Ramirez is one. I think we have him ranked because he's one of the guys we thought could be a setup man. We said anybody who's a, anybody anything less than a setup man can't be ranked. Um, so no middle relievers, but um, yeah, Jerson Ramirez, uh, I think he struck out two and two innings the other day and um, he's rule five eligible, but nobody took him. Yeah, they didn't I, don't, I don't know how he's going to fit it. That's right. And well, we thought that could play into someone taking him. Obviously there was no, there was no rule five draft, so it didn't matter, but um, yeah, I don't, he could be a, a future setup guy. I don't know if it's going to be this year. He's already 40, already rule five eligible. So we'll see. Any thoughts on uh, Adam Scott or Jerson Ramirez before we try to get to a couple other things I noted on the uh, rundown that we didn't get to through questions? Now, and I've got a DM question that uh, oh, yeah. to me. Um, All right. Uh, here. And, of course, Twitter is not cooperating with me whenever I want to. Go figure. Uh, it's Twitter. Conspiracy. It cooperates. Let's be real. Conspiracy. <laughs> Well, I'm getting. Elon Musk, make it work. <laughs> Stock's going point. down every second. It doesn't work. Yeah, I know. Just because of me, now right. he can get it at a lower price, right? Yes, because uh, a bot, I mean, a bot I like sent it to you. I didn't mean to open the Kroger ad, and now it doesn't want to close. <laughs> nice. Well, I can say real quick. I can mention that Doug McKaysey, my guy, Doug McKaysey. Um, turned in a career best performance this weekend. Willie six in innings, ten strikeouts, no walks, a hit. Uh, he was about 89, 92, 93, hit 95 a couple times. Uh, fastball was crisp, it was getting on hitters fast. The curveball looked sharp. He was throwing up for strikes. Um, I didn't really see the way in, uh, anything in, uh, significant of a third pitch yet. We're still waiting to see that, but um. Excellent performance from Doug McKenzie. I'm glad to see him get his footing because I know, like we talked about, you might as well develop these guys as starters as long as you can to figure it out. Um, or or I we didn't want to see Doug McKenzie go to the bullpen. Nope, nope, not Doug McKenzie. We got to see. I want to see six innings of Doug McKenzie every five days. But he would be awful fun he might, in he, inning. He would be. He would be, especially as a reliever. He's entertaining and he's a left-hander. With that, I, I think left-handers, huh? I think left-handers by nature. Yeah. Is it just me or left-handers by nature a little bit off? I don't know. I don't know what the appropriate word is for that. Left-handers are just different. I don't know. I have a couple of left-handers, so I have to be very cautious about what I say there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. They, they, I think lefties are just different. When you make them relievers, they're also even more different. But um, I'm glad to see Dr. Casey have a great start because uh, I was definitely uh, bummed about how – He's pitched this year, as I'm sure he's been, but he was my favorite pitchers a year ago in the College World Series, and it's good to see him get his footing. Did you get to that question? I've got it. It says, uh, this is from Zane Steven. He says, which prospect has been the biggest surprise so far and the biggest di- disappointment? And then there's a B part of this question as well. So, uh, Biggest surprise? Well, I guess, I don't know. I have to say it's Will Brennan. We're saying surprise is good, right? Yeah, I think so. A, a, surprise, a surprise can be bad too. 
Um, yeah, I, I'll say Will Brennan be the, be the bad side. Um, so, what would you think okay. is the negative, or who's had a negative season uh, in that regard? Oh, lots of guys have had negative seasons, unfortunately. Um, I don't know. I mean, Cody Morris hasn't pitched. He's on the 40. We thought he was getting close last year. That's disappointing. Um, you know, everyone was high on John Kenzie Noel coming into the year, and he has he's got he leads the Midwest League at homers, but he's still striking out a lot and having some issues. Um, I don't know. Tanner Burns has been up and down this year. Yeah. Tobias Myers, I you know I I really liked what. Okay, I'm gonna say Tobias Myers if fit well. I don't know Carson Tucker. All right, Carson Tucker. Carson Tucker is looking at a second straight loss season. I think as a first round pick, um, it's kind of hard to be more disappointed than that, right? Almost two lost seasons and and three if you count 2020, considering he didn't get to play and he didn't have much of a high school season. I know it's not really fair to him because the start of his career has been so weird, but. Um, I don't know for a first round pick to have two straight years where he's not really playing. That's not good. Yeah. And, and I think missing time um, has been a huge thing for him. Now he's missing more time, missing that time in 2020. It's, I guess he has a larger signing bonus than he has games played at this point, <laughs> you know, 2 million or yeah. two games. It seems like he's played. He has played a handful more than that, but I mean, it's literally, it's just been a handful. That's the disappointing thing for Carson Tucker. I'm um, somebody I was high on when he came into the draft, but that's one of the things that the draft truly is a crapshoot. You get a guy like Shane Bieber um, in kind of a mid round and look, he's become the organization's horse, you know, their number one starter. So um, losing a guy who potentially losing a guy who, um, should be a top prospect in your organization because you pick him so highly and then you invest so much money into him. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're just not getting back in that investment, what you would, it, it is a pretty significant disappointment. And I'd agree with you on that factor. In fact, you know, my mind was on uh, Cody Morris because you and I thought, Hey, he's going to help the, the organization uh, right away this year. And, and he hasn't, but I, I think that would be mine. Just- my biggest my biggest surprise, I think, um, as I alluded to earlier, is Bo Naylor's performance, I think, is really surprising, even though I was still very high on him. I'm seeing a significant change in the number of walks that he's getting. Um, I mean, it, it's very impressive. You know, I've told people a number of times I felt like he was the catcher over Lavastida, and that's no slight toward Lavastida, but Naylor was the one that I had my eye on as the guy of the future, so... Um, makes me feel good to see a guy actually do something um, when I say he might. <laughs> I know. If I would have told you back in September, after everything had happened, that Bo Naylor was going to be the, the Rubber Ducks' primary leadoff for this year, I don't know. Would you believe that? No. I, like, I was scrolling through and looking at the lineup the other day. Like, I didn't even realize he's been hitting leadoff that much. And I saw him mm-hmm. leading off, yeah. and I was like, you know, I mean, I, I it works. Was, he's yeah. I mean, he's putting up quality at bats. Um, frankly, it's something I think teams need to do more of if you want to get a guy right or put a little pressure on them at the plate and make them change what they're doing at the plate. Put them in the leadoff spot, especially when you're developing players like him, and you wanna you wanna see something change within 
their approach at the plate. I, I think that's a great way to get a young player to make some changes at the plate that hopefully stick for a long time. I would like to dig into the, I find out where these numbers are more. You can see them in the individual pages. I need to take a look a little bit deeper, but <clears throat> I I feel like in the, as the organization as a whole, they have really kind of bought into this swing less kind of thing where I saw an, an article on the athletic from, you know, Cyrus a couple weeks ago that said that it's kind of like Juan Soto. Obviously Juan Soto is one of the best baseball players on the planet, but um, so none of these guys are Juan Soto, but, it was kind of saying that teams win more by swinging less that um, more likely or not, you're going to work a walk or, or just drop drive out the pitch count um, that more like run values go. Right, right. Exactly. You're likely to, to find the pitcher to your liking. Um, Jose Ramirez is a good example of that. Um, but the run values for swings were a lot lower than they were for takes. Um, just for a lot of good players over the years. So it was kind of evidence that swinging less actually is better than swinging more. And I think that's evidence. Jose Ramirez is one of those guys, Bo Naylor. Um, so Bo Naylor's uh, swinging strike rate last year was, was almost 13%. This year it's six and a half. So he's halved that and he's walking more. So to me, that says he's swinging a lot less. Uh, Will Benson, who, you know, a strikeout machine and still kind of is, um, although if you look at his numbers right now, they look pretty normal, 22%, 20, almost 23% strikeout rate, which is a massive career low for him. Uh, the lowest he had done before was 28.6. And that was with Lake County in 2019, or I'm sorry, Lynchburg in 2019. Um, but his swinging strike rate has gone from double digits, Willie to 8.8% this year. I don't know. And the walk rate is still really good for him. It's still one of his best to me. That says these guys are just swinging less and they're waiting for their pitch or their, um, they're just waiting to see if they they get uh, anything in the strike zone they actually like. I don't know. Maybe maybe that the whole maybe this has become more of an organizational philosophy and it's working for some of these guys. I'd be curious to see a deeper dive on that. But uh, Naylor for 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 me seems like one of them. Um, what was part B of that question? And part B of that is who's more likely to be dealt, uh, Tyler Freeman and Nolan Nolan Jones, or are they going to be called up? So either dealt or called up. Who's more likely of the two? And I'll, I'll let you think about that, and I'll talk for a second. I, I think both of them are potential trade chips um, for possibly a bullpen arm, maybe a corner outfielder. Um, I don't see the need to add a first baseman when you have Josh Naylor and Owen Miller who could play over there. They don't need any um, – they don't need any more middle, middle infielders. We all know that. So I, I think both of them are reasonable trade chips right now. They are. They for sure are. That's a really tough question. You know, if I, I think I said this before, if Nolan Jones would have come back and in third base, I would have said for sure he's a trade chip because obviously Jose Ramirez is the third baseman for the next several years um, now that he's signed. So I would have said, well, for sure they're going to trade Jones because it doesn't make sense. But now he's playing Rage Field. I wonder if they're making it, they're giving him a chance to be part of the future here. Um, when Andre Jimenez, yeah, well, him and Oscar Gonzalez both, yeah. Um, I don't know, and and I would have said Freeman for sure has a chance to play here because I would have thought he'd be part of the future, but 
I think Andres Jimenez every day continues to build a case for himself to be a starter yes, uh, going forward. So it kind of feels like they are getting locked in unless they want to trade him and, and bring, which I, I don't, I don't think is a great idea. He continues to prove himself and he's still very young. Yep. Um, so I would have said for sure, Freeman would have had a better future here, but I'm with you. I think both of them are, are trade chips right now. I, unless they decide that they like Freeman over bet more than um, Rokio or any one of those guys, one of those guys will have to play next to him in as long-term. I think it could be Freeman, but I don't know. I think they're both trade chips. Yeah, it's tough. That's a good question. It, it's a lot yeah, of fascinating yeah. things to think about. It's uh, if I had so much that could happen. Picking one or the other um, based on injury history and the position, I think Tyler Freeman is the first of the two to be dealt, but I think both of them are significant trade chips this summer. I'll potentially bring in either a long-term bullpen arm or uh, a corner outfielder. That's fair. I think that's definitely fair for sure. Considering they have so many more infielders in this organization, they do outfielders. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. All right. So that was all of our questions this week. Um, a couple things we didn't really get to. I guess we can just note that Josh Wolf is back off the IL. Uh, he pitched a couple innings in Lynchburg. That's good to see. You did mention Milan Tolentino in passing. Willie, he is now up in Lake County. Uh, I know Christian Cairo's on the IL there. Look, Lake, Lake County's roster is um, it's the position players are having a really tough year. Uh, Jenkins Noel is is like I said, leads the league at homers, but he struck out a lot. Um, he's having some issues, I think, with the hit tool still. He's by far been their best hitter. Everybody else has struggled. Gabriel Rodriguez has come on strong over the last couple weeks. That's good to see. Um, everybody else though as a whole has really struggled. And um Let's see. I'm trying to think who's on that roster. Uh, you have Raynell Delgado, who has kind of fallen off. Aaron Bracho, who has fallen in the non-prospect status. Christian Kairos hurt, but um, hasn't really played well when he's been healthy. But, of course, he's been hurt a couple times this year. I don't know if he's if he's hurt or they just made a roster spot for somebody. But they've got a lot of guys in that roster in the infield that aren't playing well, but also you, you, know, you still want to keep playing them. So I don't know where Tolentino's time comes from, but – the two guys, the three guys, the four, I guess I should say four, you know, you have Gabriel Rodriguez at third every day, pretty much for the most part in Lake County. Um, you would flip, you would flip uh, Martinez and Tolentino between second and short. Those are your two everyday guys there. Um, and at first base, you either have Noel or Joe Naranjo and, and Noel has been playing right field a ton. Um, and then you got Bracho and Delgado and, and Cairo. So it's going to be tough. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how they make it work, but good for Milan Tolentino, who I think for sure we wanted um, we wanted to see him in Lake County. Absolutely. And Anything? Rodney Boone oh, was promoted to Lake County last week, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Rodney Boone is up in, in Lake County, so that's good. He had a good start. His first start in, uh, with Lake County he kind of picked up where he left off in, in Lynchburg. And then, oh, Nick Enright and Andrew Misiazek are both in Columbus now. And, and I think we both said Nick Enright should have been in Columbus to start the year. Um, he was good in Akron last year. There's no reason not to promote him. And Misiazek, talk about turnarounds. This is, it's a reliever, so it's harder to say. But 
Um, Andrew Misiasek had a hard time throwing strikes last year. Uh, I mean, a hard time throwing strikes at times. Um, <clears throat> he has completely brought down his walk rate, and he's striking guys out like crazy. Um, so, you know, good for him. We'll see what they do with Columbus. And I saw a couple people on, on Twitter saying, well, why is Thomas Ponticelli back in double A? Probably not a great sign for him. Um, for Shows how they how feel about the, him. And, the organization views him. Um, if they're using him like yeah. that, then he's been used as an organizational arm. Uh, a Tanner Tolley type, uh, Zach Draper, who was an organizational warrior for a few years. Yeah, who was just released. And then Eli Lingos, kind of the same thing, unfortunately. You know, he, yeah. Eli Lingos, is, I'm glad he's back pitching because he got hit with a line drive in the face last year and he missed the rest mm-hmm. of the season after that. And good to see him back healthy. Another guy who's a, an organizational warrior. And, um, you know, those two guys. And Man- I saw Manuel Alvar- Alvarez got pushed back to Arizona last week, too, and some of the moves, too. So that kind of tells you where he's at, too. But, um, just a lot of player movement, and there's only going to be more player movement once the draft happens, as you well know, Willie. Um, Absolutely. I'll update our, our player of the week picks. So uh, Willie and I decided our picks two weeks ago was just going to go to him because I think one was Will Brennan. And of course, you know Will Brennan's been having the best season of anybody. Um, so right now I am one in five on the year, and Willie and um, John Elrod, yeah. who's been the other uh, host, uh, you guys are four and two, so – you guys are leaving me in the dust so far. Do you have your picks ready for the week, Willie? Well, since uh, since I took the W and you're wearing the L uh, for now, um, you go oh, first. You're taking pity on me. All right. You're yeah. taking pity on me again. Okay. It's the right way to do it. <laughs> it didn't work for me last time. And I, I think I, I think you did this to me last time and I still failed. So, <laughs> um, Go with the no-brainers. Come on, Justin. Go with the no-brainer, geez. Okay, well, which means they're um, going to get better or something bad's going to happen. They're going to be terrible, right? Let's see. Jake Miller came out of a game with an injury last start, so I don't know what's up with him. I don't want to pick him. Doug Nikhazy just had a career best start, so of course he won't. I don't know if he'll follow it up with anything better than he's already done. Um, geez. All right, give me Hunter Gaddis for a pitcher because I think he had a somewhat average start last time out, and he's I don't know. Due. We'll see. Uh, so. Hunter, yeah, Hunter Gaddis, and then, um, geez, give me. I know you picked him the last the other week, and I don't know what he did, but I'll go with Milan Tolentino first week with a new club. Why not? I mean, you just left Will Brennan right there for me. You realize that, right? Oh, he just okay. Is he gonna hit? Have, he's gonna have sixteen hits in a week again in a, one series again? No, I mean, he probably get eight, but it'll it'll all be no, two baggers. So <laughs> yeah, eight doubles. Jeez, okay. Fine, I guess you you want Will Brennan, is that what you're saying? Uh, I'll take Willie B. I ain't saying which Willie B. I'm just saying I'm taking Willie B. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. That way I can say, no, I meant Benson. <laughs> you are you are just making up your own set of rules now. Okay. That's right. Who's now your I'll pitcher go gonna with, be? I go I'll go with Will Brennan and I'm gonna go with uh, Joey Cantillo. Yeah, Joey Cantillo had an average start last time. I mean, he's been he was good all May and then his first June start, he was just, you know, okay. But I'm sure Which means this next one right. will probably be an okay start. <laughs> well, okay might win considering the way I'm picking. I'm sorry. Maybe maybe I'm ruining guys this year the way I've been picking them. Maybe it's been all my fault um, for guys having a bad year. All right. Well, if you got this far, we appreciate you. 
uh, for listening, and we appreciate all the questions. I hope we were good. I'm still trying to settle back into non-vacation mode, and it's hard. Um, yeah, thanks for sticking with us. Um, make sure you follow us both on Twitter. It's uh, W-I-L-L-H-O-O-9-9 for Willie. For me, it's JL underscore baseball, at official underscore C-G-B-I for the site account. And, uh, you know, subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, all that good stuff. As I always say, if you don't leave us a five-star, tell us why you're not leaving a five-star. Um, good time to subscribe to the site. We, Like I said, we got coverage at uh, all the minor league stops and uh, around the farm every morning. And Willie's draft content coming up soon. There's going to be a lot more. I got to get back into <clears> – <throat> I have to get over morning the Tennessee Volunteers losing. That, that kind of took the college baseball wind out of my sails, Willie, uh, seeing the Volunteers lose. So – Going to have to drag myself up to, to watching a little bit more. But um, thanks for taking the time to do this with me, Willie. And everybody, thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next week. Wow.